It's pandemonium and the pandemic postponed Euros and Mbappe, Ronaldo and Tony Cruz joined David Marshall and Stephen O'Donnell on the flight home with the Swiss, Spain and the Southerners advancing to a crazy set of quarterfinals. It's the false 90s at the Euros. With me today, we've just got Carl and Lewis. How are we doing tonight, guys? Good, not bad. Uh, now, we haven't had a uh, recording in a while, so we'll start mm-hmm. with Scotland going out uh, with a 3-1 loss to Croatia. Yeah. I mean, started off all right. Uh, obviously, I think it hyped up uh, a lot of people that game, uh, obviously, because Scotland could have went through. Uh, but in the end, uh, I think just Croatia was too strong. Their the, the power three players just... just Sean in that game. I didn't actually see the game, but um, but yeah, no. Nah, it, it obviously it was good to get a goal as well um, for Scotland. Uh, it was a good strike as well from Carl McGregor. Uh, but in the end, uh, Modric, the combination between Modric and Perisic was just too much for Scotland. I think. Yeah, I think as as soon as half time came, Modric got into the game, and as soon as Modric took control of the game, Modric kind of showed his class. I mean, he's he's won a Ballon d'Or, so... Yeah. But from the highlights, from, from the highlights um, I think Scotland gave Modric too much space. That's the man you need to close down for me, for yeah. Croatia. In, in the second half, he was given too much space to kind of dictate play. Um, Unless he's been his whole entire career and he's one of the best passers in the game. Exactly, um, yeah. So, it's not... Scotland are going to be a, a team that you know, they're not they're not as good as they don't have a world class player like like Luka Modric, and as, if Modric well, takes control of the game, he's going to drag his team to kicking his game through it. And he scored a wonder goal. Um, yeah, oh, yeah like as well. Yeah. It was it was a shame for Scotland because the the goal for Callum McGregor did give them a bit of hope, but uh, as soon as, as soon as Modric yeah, as soon as Modric turns it on, yeah. it's there's there's going to be no hope for pretty much any team. Very true. It's Very it's true. just it's just one of those things. Like the man's in his late thirties, and a lot of people write Modric off. A lot of people write Croatia off because the the glory days of that twenty eighteen World Cup squad with Mario Mandzukic, Ivan Rakitic, and Luka Modric in what you would argue is their prime. They're past them, so people kind of looked at Croatia and thought. Uh, an up-and-coming Scotland team should edge past um, a Czech Republic team with some key players in it. Um, and obviously England should be able to get the revenge on them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Luka Modric turns up and single-handedly runs a game of football. It's one of these things that, as a Scotland fan, you see as being disappointing, but you can't take away from Modric how good he is for the age that he is as well. Yeah, I, I don't think as well, it wasn't a particularly poor performance by Scotland. I mean, yeah, Lyndon Dykes didn't have a good de- good game, but he hasn't really had a good tournament as as a whole. Um, Armstrong as well didn't really have a good game. But uh, other than that, like it wasn't a particularly bad performance in Scotland. They didn't get... They weren't bad to Croatia being good. They were just completely outplayed by... What is a superior a superior team? Yeah, that's true. And, uh, they are a superior team, and you can't argue that any better, Sam. Um, there was a lot of Scotland fans after we drew with England who took a oh, it's it's a world beater scenario now. Like we could go out tomorrow, play Argentina, Brazil. And we'd win 6 now, And I think people just didn't realise that the Scotland team's still a development project. There's not an out-and-out standout player for us. You can argue Andy Robertson because he plays for Liverpool, but even he, I don't think, had that good a tournament. There was, there was The only really standout player for Scotland uh, through the group stage was Billy Gilmore. And obviously it was just unfortunate he got... Covid nineteen just before the um, the key game against Croatia, yeah. The key game, yeah. But it was nice. I I really was quite impressed by Nathan Patterson once he came on for the sort of last fifteen minutes of the game. 
And then he was that long. I think he was only for about five minutes, mate. Yeah, it was about five, six minutes. Maybe about five, six minutes. I can't remember much of the game. Can I have my head and hands up? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something from, from my perspective, though. It's good to see uh, Barisic coming on, because obviously he's been the third injury of the entire tournament. So it was good to see him coming on for, I think he came on for about 20 minutes. And obviously um, Patterson and, and um, Barisic swapped shirts at the end, which was good to see from a Rangers fan's perspective. So. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I, I argued with a lot of my my friends beforehand. They're like, oh... I don't know why they didn't want to play Borna Barisic and all this. I'm like, if he's injured, if he's fit for the Scotland game, in my personal opinion, he should have started the Scotland game from a tactical perspective. You've got players coming at you, the likes of, you know, Cal McGregor's, Kevin Nisbet's when he plays, and then you've got, you know, your Stephen O'Donnell's, and you've got all these sort of Scotland-based players so why not put in your, your Croatian left-back that plays in the Scottish League to go, well, I know exactly what runs he'll make because he'll make, make the same ones that he makes in the league. Uh, I think as well, as the Croatia killed the game off when Barisic came on. I mean, Barisic came on the 70th minute. They scored, the Croatia scored the third in the, in the 77th. And when they took off, um, is it Guardiol? Um, that, that kind of... They took off Guardiol, who was kind of being a little bit Exposed, I think O'Donnell was kind of getting the better of him at, uh, better of him at times, um, but when Barisic came on, that really changed the game. Um, Croatia then took a step into the game and and really dominated. They stopped Scotland from having any opportunities for getting an equaliser at all. So yeah. Yeah, that definitely did change the game. Even I think that Guardiol guy, I'm sure he's about nineteen. Yeah, he's very young, so I think Scotland did try to target him. Obviously, the right side for Scotland isn't isn't that strong, but he's he's only nineteen. Like, but, uh, obviously, you probably I don't know if you agree, Lewis, but I would love to see the, him up against uh, Patterson a bit earlier. I would game. honestly, personally, and yeah, I mean, I I'm not I'm no I'm not Rangers supporter. You know, I'm no advocating for. Every Rangers play at the start of the game, but in my my opinion, uh, Stephen O'Donnell had a, a fantastic game against England. But you can't take away the fact that his performance against the Czech, against the Czech Republic was poor, and his performance against Croatia was kind of in the middle. I mm. thought if we'd brought if we'd started Patterson, Patterson would have maybe got that kind of that ego boost, you know, that's like oh, it's in the Scotland debut. So I've got to from what I've seen I've from O'Donnell. What I seen from O'Donnell in this tournament was well, O'Donnell and Patterson comparing them both. Uh, is I would say Patterson is probably more better attacking wise. He'll go and make a run. He'll go and take a player off a take the ball off a player, and he'll try and create something. O'Donnell from well, especially from the the Czech Republic game didn't really do that, but he did okay against the England game though. But I think I think for the last game anyway against Croatia, I think you need that sort of player just to come on and just run riot. Because Scotland, he's nineteen Scotland years old. Needed to win. Like if they won, they would yep. have gone through. Yep. And so they just went for it. I think should have just gone for it. Um, I think the the formation, you know, did seem pretty positive. Uh, it's been something that Scotland had been dealing with, but uh, a four-one-two-two on it. Basically, a three-five-two with uh, O'Donnell. Yeah, I have two wing backs, yeah. Wing backs, yeah, and Tierney and, and McTominay at the back, as well with Hanley. Um, yep. But it's been. I think I think this this tournament has also seen that Lyndon Dykes isn't a starting striker for Scotland. Um, he sh- he shouldn't be up there. He sh- it should really be Adams and Nisbet. Um, but then again, yep. that doesn't really suit how. How Steve Clark would like to play. No. So, yeah, last game, we should have just went. They should have started this bit and started past. Yeah. And there's going to be other strikers that will slowly but surely make their way into the Scotland team. Um, someone, someone, someone English with like a Scottish grand. <laughs> I mean, aye, that could happen. But yeah. then, for, for, all we, for all we know, in the next two years, you might have some 
youth prospect breakthrough at St Mirren or a St Johnston or a, somewhere down south and all of a sudden he's, a, he's an absolute world beater. It's the good thing about the Scotland squad is like a lot of the players that are coming up now and that are world class are still young, like say Alan Campbell, David Turnbull, Billy Gilmore, um, Nathan Patterson. Nathan Patterson. There, there's tons, and then if you give it another five, ten years, the the system could start to work because we've got these players. But I want my honest argument with Scotland is that. There's not a lot of Scotland players that play outside of Scotland, really. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, when it comes to England, England, you know, like, there's players in the Premier League, there's players in La Liga, there's players in the Bundesliga. The English squad has three players that play abroad. So, you know, Kieran Trippier's at Atletico, and then you've got Mm -hmm. Bellingham and um, Sancho at Dortmund. That's it. And it's, you know, who, who have we got? We've got... Adams and Armstrong. Adams and Armstrong. And, Robinson well, I suppose... As well. But then again, there's none who are outside of Britain, really, is there? No, you don't. We don't. I mean, you used to have Johnny Russell when he played for Sporting Kansas City. But, yeah, there's no Scottish players in foreign lands that get called up. Although... Uh, Ryan Gold should have got a call up, but uh, mm. I think I said enough of a Scotland rant now. Yeah, I think <laughs> probably get on to the uh, England game yeah. or move on now to the round of sixteen. So obviously we missed a pod last week. Uh, I was away on holiday, but uh, the round of sixteen Nothing. did happen, and it was <laughs> intense. Uh, but we'll start with a game from last night, and it was England two, Germany nil. Yeah. What a game. I'm sorry, right? I've I've just recovered from it. Um but no. It, it was it was a game where I'm sure I would probably want to say about what, ninety percent of England fans were nervous about or thinking that we were coming in like to get beat just because of the history eyes that we had with Germany and stuff like that. I think it's the first in what, fifty years or something like that that we've beaten them it's in. The first time since the 1966 final. Wow! That England have beaten Germany in a knockout game. Incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, just where to start? Uh, first half. Um, anyone could have could have um, won. Going in that second half, you're probably like these teams are very evenly matched. I think the first the first 20 minutes, England struggled to find their feet a bit, and Germany yeah. looked to get a few opportunities. Uh, it, it, I think it took a while for England to like figure out their formation and what what they were planning to do with that formation because um, England and Germany did match up with the same formation that night, what well, yesterday, um, which I think played to England's advantage in the end. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, uh, obviously came with a chance, but in in the first half, which kind of hit off. Um, Saka's foot or like behind his heel which is just it's just it was really unlucky it was just a classic England um, but yeah no, I think going in that second half people were very confident obviously I think the crowd definitely helped 60,000 there at Wembley um, you know I'd love, love, love to be there but um, and obviously the two goals come from uh, Raheem Sterling and Kane which is good to see him getting off the mark yeah, it's good to see Kane get off the mark as well. So I wanted to add as well is Sterling's had a really good tournament. Um, a lot yeah. of people have been on his back after after the season and then were after, on his back after the World Cup as well. But he scored three goals this tournament. And he's... Yeah. I, I'm one of those people that doesn't really rate Sterling. Because, I said to, I said to Lewis before, before recording, it's because he's put these high performances in for City. Um... And it doesn't show as much as he can. He shows his full potential that he can for England. That's what I've seen anyway. But obviously, I said to my dad yesterday, it's like, if we slag Sterling, he'll score. That's all, that happens all the time. So we're like saying, oh, fuck you, Sterling. Like, you're shitting all that, blah, blah, blah. Boom, scores. <laughs> but, um, but no, no. I think I think that's silence a lot of people now. And it's definitely silenced me anyway. I think what... Tries to do. He tries to be creative with the ball. Tries to beat players. But it's, like most of the time, he does. 
lose it. So yeah, sometimes uh, he takes he bites yeah. it more than he can chew, really, and kind of yeah. tries to take on too many players. But uh, you know, other than that, he's, he's scored three goals. He's had a really good tournament. He's got on the end of some good chances, and he's really kind of when England kind of looked like they couldn't score. He's kind of you know he's created the chances. He's helped you know he's found found the spaces in between, yep. and he's scored the goals really. Yeah, but he did that. He did that. It was his mistake for when when the Miller chance. Oh yeah, um, just, just watching, watching that he giving the ball away to Havertz and then Havertz playing oh, to, to Muller. Like, I think we all thought that Muller was going to score that. He should have. And it just <laughs> he's, he's, he's done it all the time uh, for Germany against against us. So yeah, um, like it, I I swear to God, I've, like I don't understand how that's not gone in really. England need that luck. Yeah, it's always been gone against England for years. To get that bit of luck, I think was good as well. I just want to jump back in on the the whole Raheem Sterling thing. Um, I can't take away Raheem Sterling's having a phenomenal Euros, but in a way, I think that because everyone's been slagging Sterling for the entire season of his performances at City, kind of fell out the team a little bit. Um. There's, there is also rumours swirling around that City want to go in for Jack Grealish. So, in a way, is Sterling trying to use these Euros as a way to say, look, I can still, I've still got it. But yeah. to counter-argue that, Jack Grealish came on against Germany and I thought Jack Grealish was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he bags the assist. yeah. And he, he sort of started the move in the first goal as well. He he was the one that passed out to Shaw. And Shaw flipped in. But yeah, no. I think I think a, a definite honourable mention for me anyway, and I was very, very impressed when he was on, was uh, Bakayo Saka. What a player he is, by the way. Uh, I, I, I rate him when he's at Arsenal as well. Uh, what, a, what a fantastic prospect he will be. And he's played, he's had a good Euros when he's been on as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he just... I always said that... Um, he he's the he's that sort of player that brings that tempo for when England start like passing it and across the back and stuff like that, really slow walking pace. And when you pass it to Saka, he'll go and beat two men. Same as Sterling as well. He'll go and beat two men and get a chance in. He took aim. I think he had, I don't know who it was it was it Guzins or something like that. Guzins, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely ripped him to shreds. I think when 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 Saka was on. But yeah, it just um. I think obviously I don't want really to get too too confident, but it's obviously defensively England have been amazing this Euros. Uh, it's yeah, just it's just you, you can, yeah exactly, and you can see like the heart. See, I don't I think it was Walker when when Stones did a tackle and like edge of the box, Walker went right up to it in his face like fucking yes, like come on. Uh, it's just good to see that sort of like motivation and that passion right now. England are looking very good. And obviously, I want to mention as well. John Pickford had a very good game as well. Um, that's that you need. You need all your key players on form when you're playing against a German team like that. And it paid off. Matched them up. Absolute brilliant from England. And round next round we go. Come on, come on. Next round into the quarterfinals where they'll face Ukraine, uh, who won with a hundred and twenty-first minute winner last night from Artem Dovbik. Um, it was a good header, and it was one of the. Uh, it was a moment in a game in which probably was the worst of the round of sixteen games. One of the, one of the most boring, and it was still a pretty exciting game. Uh, Alexander Zinchenko got the, uh, got the opener for Ukraine. Forsberg equalised, and it was. It kind of died down after half time. There wasn't that many opportunities, but you know, extra time it just sparked back into life again. With a uh, red card for Marcus Danielson for Sweden, that got Ukraine back into the game, and uh, I think yeah. it's un- it's unlucky for Sweden. I think Sweden have a couple of good players and players that could cause England problems in in Forsberg and Isaac, but uh, they won't be they won't be playing in the quarterfinals. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. It's just Ukraine to win, um, but obviously can't write them off as well. With uh, was it Yarmolenko as well, he's a good player. Um, but yeah, there's there's other players to watch out for, of course. Um, Forsberg was a player who I thought had was had had a decent Euros. 
Yeah, he's, he's scored yeah. a few goals this year. He's, he's hit the bar a few times in this, this Ukraine yeah. game. Um, but I think as well as in the extra time, England will look at the fact that Ukraine had quite a few players down, and mm-hmm. the fact that these Euros have come after like a bumper season, in which like they've played kind of two seasons in one in the past couple of years, and everyone's exhausted. Players have been going down for 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 pretty much everyone, and I think it's it's going to be. A test of who's the fittest team, and that the fittest team are going to win the Euros. Yep, at this point, yeah, and their uh, game management as well. If you can manage a game well, then that'll be the team that wins the Euros. If you can do that well and do that the best, then that'll win the Euros. But yeah, it just shows you. Um, we, I don't know if anyone predicted for them to be in in the quarters, but fair play to them. But. Yeah, I did. I did. Because it's going to be very. Yeah. I was going to say I did uh, think that Ukraine would make the semi-finals because I think they have a good team. They have a good togetherness. Really. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Andrei Shevchenko is a really good international manager. Um, Ukraine have shocked a couple of teams in the past few months as well. Um, so I do think that Ukraine will have a. It will be a test for for England in in the quarterfinals. They, England are the favourites, uh, but I do think that Ukraine. They have a couple of good players in Zinchenko and Yarmolenko, um, and they do have a good togetherness of a, as a squad. Um, they could they could cause England a few problems. Yeah, but England can also cause them through problems. Well, it's just going to be one of them. I think obviously going to be really nervous for England. It's the same with I don't want to fall back on that, but like the 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 the, the Croatia game in two thousand eighteen, you you would you would expect England to win that. And that pressure, I think, was what made England crumble in the end for that game. So England need to brush that aside and just focus on I, the game itself. I, I really don't think England have much of a, an issue until the semi-finals. I'll say um, <laughs> No, like, could England go all the way to a final? Probably at this point. Do I think they'll get to a final? Probably. My my honest money, I would honestly put money now, like on an England Italy final. I just I don't. Tough game though. It would be a tough. It'd be a a tough game, but be a very good game of football. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, Spain don't really tend to turn up the pressure. Until later on, until the pressure's against them, like that was evidence this week. Yeah, against Croatia. Against Croatia. I see in the Slovakia game as well, where they had to win. They won five nil, um, and then against Croatia as well, they won in a stunning five three win. Like Spain know how to turn it on when they have to. Yeah, yeah. I watched they, that game, they, the Croatia Spain game. Uh, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was overly impressed with Spain, to be honest. Um, they look very shaken defensively. Um, I think that's the, one of their weak points. Even though they do have a... Obviously, they have Laporte and Aspilicueta as well. Yeah, but I think it's um, their left-back and their one, and Garcia and the centre-back as well. I think that's their weak points as well. And obviously, I think... I like Busquets as a player, but... He didn't look that great for me. What he can be. Um, it's it's kind of like the it's like the argument that we always make in the normal pods about Scott Brown that it's just to get the Celtic Daz going. Like, yeah, I mean, Sergio <laughs> Busquets just, just, yeah. just to get the Spain Daz going. Just, hey. <laughs> yeah. It's weird to think that Sergio Busquets is only thirty-two. I thought he was much hey, older than that. I thought he was a lot older. He's only 32, but he does look like he's about 58. Yeah. It's one of those ones, isn't it? I think it's because you always kind of... You always kind of wrote him off if you were playing FIFA because he had, like, no pace. I don't think he's ever been a pacey player, but he's been always been technical. Like, he, yeah. he has always been a solid defensive midfielder, but... He is kind of at that point where it's like there's so many better defensive midfielders for Spain. You know, you've got Saul, Rodri, um, 
Oh, that, that's the two I can think yeah, of. Saul, Saul Rodri, Koke as well, I suppose. Saul didn't even make Mar- the squad for Spain. Marcus Llorente. Why is Marcus Llorente at right back in the point, Sergio Biscuits? Why, sure, well, I know there was no Real Madrid players in the Spain squad. Um, but surely you could play someone like, I don't know, Jesus Navas at right back. Spain didn't want a natural right back in their squad at all. They had Aspilicueto, who's normally been playing like right centre back. Um, they have uh, Marcus Juventus, who's been we, playing in midfield. But, yeah. England could loan one of our right backs, then we've got about 20 anyway. <laughs> Give him Alexander Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like even um, yeah, Navas didn't make the squad. You know, Spain have been a bit, you know, it's been confusing how they how um, how uh, Luis Enrique has, has picked his squad, but it seems it, it's gotten this far so far. I just it's, it's yeah, that's the thing. It's it's a just like Croatia could have beat them. Yeah, this week Croatia were minutes off being able to beat Spain. Minutes. You can say the same um, thing about Italy as well, though, to be fair. They only just beat Austria. That's true. And, you know, everyone thought, oh, the Netherlands will make a semi-final and look grab to them against the Czech Republic. So, it's a weird it's Euros. Wide, it's a weird Euros, but... Yeah, it's a good Euros, yeah, like, I mean, the Spain game has probably been one of the most exciting round of 16 ties. Which was classified yeah. by the second most exciting round of 16 guys. <laughs> a 3-3 draw between France and Switzerland, which went to penalties, which Switzerland won their first win in a knockout game in a major tournament since the 1938 World Cup. Wow. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. I didn't even know what to say about have, The cracks have begun to show. Um, I think this is just this is just this all this drama that's happened in the France squad has finally came to a head. Um, you know, all these comments made about certain players by other players and then I just I've never seen a team since Spain win a World Cup and then win a Euros. Yeah. Spain Spain have done it. Um, France did it I, in '98 and 2000 as well. 2000. Did I want to say I want to say Italy done it as well. Like I want to say they done Euro 2008. No, but... 2008 was Spain. So Spain did Euros, World Cup uh, Euros. They won three in a row. Um, That's it. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to think. I think. I'm not sure if Italy did. Um, no, they didn't. I was, I was thinking that Italy might have done World Cup '82 and you and '84, but France won in '84. Um, but yeah, so so it's only France in '98, 2000, and uh, Spain in '08, '10, and '12 that have won kind of consecutive tournaments. It, wow. There's always that curse, though, and that curse has begun to begin to show. And I think the France squad have an over reliance on certain players. Like it did seem a lot of the time watching France play, it was Benzema and Mbappe will score. Don't worry about Griezmann. Um, but Mbappe just has not looked good this Euros at all. He hasn't had a good Euros at all. Um, he missed the the uh, the decisive penalty, of course, and I mean he he scored two offside goals in the game against uh, Germany, the first game. But other than that, it doesn't look like he's done much at all. Um, I think I've got to say about Mbappe is Ronaldo missed a very important penalty for Man United. When he was twenty-two, and then Mbappe's just missed penalty, very important penalty, twenty-two. So it's you can come back from it, of course you can. Um, he's still a great player, but 
it wasn't even that good of a penalty, to be fair. You expect someone like Mbappe to just smash it. Well, compared to the rest of the quality of the of the of the penalties, um, you expect someone like Mbappe to slot that away, pick a side, go for it. But it was a nice height for the keeper. That's easy. In fact, uh, the Swiss almost missed a penalty. He always got his hands to one of them, and yep. he couldn't couldn't keep it out. And you know, I thought France had had it. Like when Switzerland missed their penalty um, in the game, the one they were up, they yeah. missed a the penalty. France immediately clicked in, and Benzema t- scored two quick goals. Pogba scored an absolutely beautiful oh, was, goal. What a beautiful goal! That yeah. was a good goal. That's potential goal of the tournament, apart from the David Marshall lob. But there's been quite a few fantastic I... goals this tournament. I'd have to say. Oh, yeah. I would honestly say, in a in a top three. Yarmolenko's goal mm. um, against the Netherlands, yeah. Against yeah. the Netherlands, and then Pogba's goal against Switzerland, and then I, I, I mean, as much as you don't want to say it, like probably the the number one goal, like goal of the tournament contender just now is Patrick Schick's goal against Scotland. Unless Scotland scores that, in their own penalty box, it's not going to be beaten, I don't think. Mm-hmm. That's not that goal was not just tournament. Contending that that is Pushkas award level. That's Pushkas. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, at least Scotland will get a mention in the Euros. At least they'll, they'll sort of won something. <laughs> well, also they're the only team that England haven't scored against yet as well. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Yeah. So uh, that could stay, and uh, Scotland will take that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's ex- it's exciting times at this point. We're about to go into the quarterfinals, and whoever goes through from there, it's, it's just. Yeah. I'm very looking forward to the, the Belgium Italy game. That will be an absolute cracker. And see, now I'm looking forward to Switzerland Spain as well. Yeah, Belgium uh, saw off uh, when I was Portugal, and um, yeah, Italy beat Austria. Denmark thrashed Wales as well. Um, so yeah. Comfortable performance from Denmark. They were, they bossed it all the way through. I think. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Yeah, Goldberg was very impressive. It's it's been good to see how well they've bounced back from obviously what happened in the first game against Finland uh, with yeah. Christian Eriksen. Like it's been exciting to see how they've bounced back and see how they've come back from that. And honestly, they they have the semi-finals in their sights. I mean, Czech Republic aren't pushovers by any means but they are a team that Denmark look like a really strong team they have that togetherness that I don't think any other squad has especially after what happened with Ericsson the squad is all together so that could be something that does that can see them through all the way possibly A wee bit of breaking news coming from your team Sam Yes Yes. What do you make of that then? We review for that. Yeah, Nuno coming in. Um, mm. Yeah, he's like fifty eighth, fifty eighth choice, isn't he? Sounds like possible as well. Aye. Um. Apparently, they did ask Matt Hancock last week. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to to kind of to kind of go back to like with Denmark, it's like a tragedy has unified a team. That team could probably walk through walls currently, and I honestly think that if that team's well gelled enough, they will make. They they could also make a final. Like this tournament is wide open. There's obviously key teams that might not make it. Ukraine, I I would rule out Ukraine. I'd rule out the Czech Republic. But see, Belgium, Italy, England, Spain, Switzerland, it, it, like. And Denmark, it's like any of them could 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 win the Euros. To be honest, I wouldn't rule out the Czechs. I think they look like a really good squad. Like they have been yeah. the surprise of the tournament. Really, I don't think anyone expected them to be this good. Um, mm-hmm. But Patrick Schick's been on fire. Suchek's had a really good tournament as well. Um, is it Holles who had a really good game against the Netherlands as well? So you know, I couldn't. Who's the right? Who's the right back again? Uh, uh, the one that plays for West Ham. Uh, Kufal, and I've I've been thinking I, I thought that uh, that's looks really good as well, despite not getting a an ear in at Sevilla for the last couple of 
months. Uh, is, uh, is it Vaslik? Vaslik? Something like that. But like, the Czech goalie's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Vaslik. Vaslik. Yeah. They have a few really good young players obviously uh, there's a lot of players uh, from that Slavia squad who have had a couple of good runs in Europe the past few uh, years so they have Got a couple of couple of not so good run ends but <laughs> I'm not discussed them <laughs> this could uh, isn't on the squad but you know the, the Czech can't be ruled out <laughs> even I think Ukraine they have they have something. They do have a little bit of fire in them. The luck could fall their way. But it is a wide-open tournament. Any of the eight teams can win it, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Be- Finally got exciting. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like Euro 2016. You kind of knew where things were going. You knew ultimately, well, you, you thought it was going to be like France... Germany is what a lot of people thought France-Germany at the time and then it turned out to be France-Portugal but with this one it's like you can't really pinpoint the final if you're going to take based on like form alone then you would say England-Italy but it could be for all we know it could be the Czech Republic against Denmark at this point No one missed you <laughs> yeah how it's going yeah. yeah sorry yeah is it the Czech Republic yeah. Denmark is one of the quarterfinals, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So, it so be- uh, but it could it could be like Denmark versus Ukraine at this point. You just don't know. That would be one of the semi-finals. Um, Denmark, Denmark, yeah. uh, Switzerland, Denmark, Switzerland, Switzerland, Denmark. Yeah, or like Czech Republic, Switzerland. Like it could be. It is a, a Ukraine versus. Like, Switch to the Ukraine final. It literally could be anyone. Um, it is mm. like the favourites. Yeah, probably as you said, uh, a Belgium, Italy, or or England. But uh, it really could be anyone out there. I think it would be quite funny though if we get to like a final. You know, because the finals at Wembley, and they've said that Wembley will be close to full capacity. So, could you imagine, like, just just for talking sake, imagine that Germany did beat England yesterday, right. and Germany get all the way to the final and have to play our playing like Switzerland yeah, or something, yeah. and there's like no German fans in the stadium because the only German fans that can attend it have to be in the UK or have enough money to afford a quarantine when they get back to Germany. So it's 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 a strange one. Like the the capacity going up seems to be because people think, well, there's gonna be an England final at some point. Like England's gonna be in the final. But it's also kinda of worrying because you don't want to have a ninth you know, you don't want to have a, a ninety thousand capacity stadium almost full for two kind of teams that aren't going to draw in seventy thousand, eighty thousand fans. They'll send out tickets to. I think they'll probably sell them online, to be honest. So anyone would just go, but then you, everyone, people would buy that live in England or Scotland, for example, will go down. And just, just, just to be there, I think most people would. You don't have to be; you can be a neutral. But I think it'll definitely sell out if capacity goes up, though. No shadow of a doubt. False nineties at the Ukraine versus Czech Republic. Iman, let's go. <laughs> if that happens, right, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Ukraine, Switzerland, we'll go. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Don't say we'll that. Now. Do, we'll have to do like the wee clap thing. That's like their version of the the Viking clap. Uh. Yeah, in fact, uh, it's pretty much all, uh, going back to England quickly, it's pretty much been a home tournament for them. Obviously, they've played three, all three good games at home. They've played the round of 16 at home. They'll play the quarterfinal in Rome um, against Ukraine. And then they come back, and then if they get through that, it's to come back for the semi-finals and the final at Wembley. So, the only mm. game they're going to play away from Wembley is in Rome. 
Yeah, it's on Saturday, yeah. Uh, that will definitely be interesting. Because obviously not got the home crowd. They obviously not got the big crowd, but definitely England fans will go over. Um, but uh, yeah, it won't be the same, but England have been quite lucky with that, to be fair. I think I read something that if you wanted to go to England, Italy, you would have to have left on Sunday. Because okay. the Italians have like a mandatory five-day quarantine oh, yeah. for anyone coming from the UK. So in theory, you would have just had to have hoped and prayed that England bet Germany yesterday. Yeah. For a, to, to get tickets for a quarter-final that you might not have even been in. Yeah, exactly. Stupid rule. In fact, for a pan-European tournament, England playing almost all the games at home is, you know, a little bit stupid. But uh, it's been it's been nice to see the fact that a lot of other countries have been involved. I mean, Hamden was played in last night for the Sweden-Ukraine game. I was a bit disappointed to see that there wasn't that much of a crowd there, but it would have been, you know, a fun game to go to if, if we could go to that. So... No, it's been so excited for for all around Europe. I think a lot of countries have got into it. A lot of countries have enjoyed being a part of it, even if their team didn't qualify, like Romania or Azerbaijan, they're hosting games. So it's been an exciting tournament. I think it's one where the players have really enjoyed it as well. So, yeah, it'll be interested to see what happens. Yeah. Mm. The, the concept of it's been great. I mean, I know after this year it goes back to like the one country kind of hosting it rule uh, with Germany. Isn't it typical that the one time where the European Championship is all over Europe, nobody can go <laughs> because oh, of travel restrictions? Yeah. It's it is like the. I mean, the only thing you could have really done in the UK is like go to all of England's games at Wembley. Go to all the Scotland games at Hamden, go to one of the round of 16 ties at Wembley, and then go to the other round of 16 tie at Hamden before then going to the semi finals and the final at Wembley. So, in a way, you can't go over to Rome for the quarterfinals of England. You couldn't go to Amsterdam or Budapest or wherever, but being in the UK, in a way, has had its advantages because. You can literally watch most of the Euros from the country you live in. So, but then, in a way, at the same time, like the amount of games that have been played in Glasgow and Edinburgh does kind of feel like the UK is hosting the Euros. Do you mean Glasgow and uh, London? Sorry, Glasgow and London. Sorry, <laughs> Edinburgh great to hosting games, but uh, didn't happen. Um, yeah. I... It would be interesting if they did go for this kind of pan-European thing again um, without the pandemic in the background, but uh, it would be something that I think a lot more people would enjoy if there wasn't a limit on travel, if some people could go to Bilbao and then Budapest and then uh, Paris, for example. That would be something yep. to look maybe, at. Maybe, that's, maybe this is what we're not hear him they said pan-european and maybe the pan short for pandemic so maybe it's like the pandemic europe tour <laughs> oh just call me this <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the predictions let's move um so obviously we didn't predict around the 16 games but last time we did record uh, recording we did predict the rest of the group stage so we recorded halfway through the group stage uh, predicted the other half of the group stage and uh, with eight points this week uh, the lowest are Lewis and Marcus didn't send in anything so they get no points uh, Marcus doesn't actually send in any Euro predictions yet, so he has one point from like the Champions League final which was like I'm weeks ago um, Andy has eight points uh, from this week's uh, where he got um, points for Italy beating Wales, and then for Finland, Belgium, Russia, Denmark, North Macedonia, Netherlands, uh, Czech Republic, England, Slovakia, Spain, and Germany, Hungary. Um, and then 
it is also me and Gary drawn on 10 points. And that means Kyle wins uh, for last week. Yes. 19 points. So you got. Come on. Dead on. So you got four points for Sweden Slovakia, a 1 0 win for Sweden. Uh, four points for Finland Belgium, a 2 0 win for Belgium. And four points as well for North Macedonia and Netherlands. That was a 3 0 win for the Netherlands. Lovely jubbly. Lovely jubbly. So the overall Euros predictions table has. Just we uh, sort that. Mark was on bottom with one point. And Gary with 10 points, Lewis with 14, me with 20, Andy with 21, and Kyle's on 31. Yeah, come on, boys. Let's do it. And so we... Because I, I, I didn't have Marcus. I yeah. <laughs> don't have Marcus to compete with, so... Yeah, Marcus would have to do something, like, hope for the best. Um, to... <laughs> he, he needs to do an Andy. Predict it once and then get all right. Get all four yeah. points, yeah. Uh, so predict the quarterfinals. Uh, we may record after the quarterfinals, but if not, uh, we'll predict the semis and the final before they actually happen. Uh, we'll put those in with the main scores. We'll start with the first game, which is Switzerland versus Spain. Well, this is kind of one of the easier ones out of the, the four ties. Um I'm gonna say three 0 Spain. Oof. I'm gonna say one each, but Spain to edge it in extra time. Spain to two edge one it in extra time. What two one? Two one, yeah. No in this Euros. No, I think it's. I think Switzerland have got something. I think it's going to be two-two, and then uh, Switzerland on pens. Wow. I, th- I think Switzerland. They've got the hang of penalties. I think. I think it'll be pretty similar to the France game and the fact that you know Spain will look to dominate and then uh, Switzerland will get them on penalties. But this next up is the. Probably the the highlight of the quarterfinals is Belgium versus Italy. Um, one one after extra time, and Italy to edge it on penalties. Italy on penalties. Oof. Go on. It's so hard to predict. It could be anything. Like this, this, could be, this, this could be anyone that wins, I think. Um, oh, dear. I'll go with my gut. I'll say 2-1 Italy. After 90. Okay, I think this would be a close one. It, Austria took Italy to, to extra time. I think that was a game where they looked to... Austria looked to defend. I think Belgium will probably go at them. Especially with Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Thorgan Hassan's been on fire as well, so I think there's going to be goals in this one for sure. Mm. Oh, I'm not too sure. Oh, it's difficult. A really tough one to call. I'm going to go with Italy, and I'm going to say three-two after extra time. Fair enough. Fair enough. And moving on to the other side of the draw, it's Czech Republic versus Denmark. Czech Republic, Denmark. Uh, Denmark 2 0. I seem very sure on that one. Yeah, oh no, I'm sure. <laughs> Always after 90, Denmark to edge at 1 0 in extra time. Hmm. I think Denmark for sure, uh, but I think Czech Republic could cause some problems. I think it's going to go to extra time. And I think it is going to end. Oh, this is... They're all really tough to call. I know, yeah, I know. 
Denmark are going to, I think, yeah, again, I'm going to say Denmark an extra time, 3-2. And then the final quarterfinal is Ukraine versus England. 1-0, England. I'm just, I'm just going to be Kyle's echo. That's probably not a bad prediction. Two 0 England. Uh, I feel like this this quarter final is very similar to the the World Cup quarter final England had against Sweden back in twenty eighteen. In the fact that, do you guys even remember that game? Game it, it, roughly, yeah. Because it feels like one that isn't memorable because England did such a good professional job in just. Winning the game, not conceding, winning two 0 So I think again that's gonna it's gonna be a two 0 win for England. It's gonna be a professional job, and they're gonna see them through to the to the semi finals. Gone to I'm gone two 0 on that one. So yeah, it's gonna be an exciting. Is it, is it coming home? Is it coming home, Sam? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, that means Gareth Southgate actually wins something, which, uh... anyway. Um... Mm. Also, going back to the, the England-Germany uh, game, I just wanted to say that was uh, Mr. Scratch and Sniff's last game in for Germany. Uh, we've also seen the loss of Frank de Boer, who's lost his job as Netherlands manager as well after the loss to Czech Republic. Yeah, it's a shame. I like Van de Boer, but yeah, you, yeah, after that game, yeah, you kind of needed to leave the next so. Kind of, kind of an inexcusable one. Like when you've got like a a football powerhouse with all the talent that it's got, and the and the Netherlands to lose to the Czech Republic is like a national embarrassment. So yeah, Frank Frank de Boer has to go there, but um. With regards to Joachim Love, um, you can't right. take away what he's done in the last seventeen years. Yeah, yeah he's been right. in charge since the end of the. So he took charge after the two thousand and six World Cup, and he's taken him through Euro two thousand eight, where he got to the final, uh, and then World Cup twenty ten got to the semi finals. And then you were twenty twelve, I think it was semi finals as well. And then World Cup twenty fourteen won the World Cup. Uh, I think you were twenty sixteen was also semi finals. <laughs> and then, and then we don't we don't talk about Russia. <laughs> don't talk about Russia. And then here it's it's just the last last sixteen. It's kind of become it's kind of become an end of an era for Germany. They look to build again. I think under Hansi Flick, I think that's a fantastic appointment. Um, it was it was really between Hansi Flick and Jurgen Klopp, and Jurgen Klopp is starting to kind of fall away as well. Um, so I would rather see Hansi Flick in charge of Germany. But Germany are one of the teams that have never had. I don't think Germany's ever had a manager from another country. You know, like how. A bit like Scotland, really. Scotland. I don't think Scotland's ever brought in a manager yeah, from they they outside had, um, of Scotland. They had, uh, what's his name? Bertie Vogts. Oh, wait. Yeah. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, this... But, like, yeah, I, I honestly don't think Germany have ever had a manager from outside of Germany. I don't think so, no. Uh, I think it's one of those very homegrown ones. I don't even know if the French have. It's, it's strange, but a lot of a lot of big nations really haven't. I think England definitely have with uh, Sven Goran Eriksson and uh, Fabio Capello. But Fabio Capello. If you think of uh, Italy, don't nothing stands out. Spain, uh, France, Germany. They sound. I don't think they've had managers from abroad trying to come in and save it. I'm just gonna have a look. No, it's always been. Um, oh wait, well, I mean, suppose so. There's a wee bit of it, but it's uh, it was Didier. It was obviously Didier Deschamps. Then Laurent Laurent Blanc was the the manager before that. So there's never been yeah. Um, 
the Genoa has never been um, different manager outside in France. But Hansi Flick's a good one. Um, but yeah, you, you can't really take away up and I mean up until twenty eighteen. Uh, Scratch and Sniff was a, a phenomenal manager, and it is a, a fantastic career that the man's had. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does next. Does next? I think I don't think he's going to retire, um, but he has been in, like linked to the Real Madrid job. Oh my be god! Insane. <laughs> um, Scratch and Sniff in the Champions League final. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a there's a few opportunities out there for him, and I don't think he's going away anytime soon. He's still, you know, he's he's achieved what he's achieved. It's not, you know, the past couple of years it has kind of fallen away. But you could either, you can underplay that on the fact that there's the new generation coming through isn't quite ready yet, like the likes of uh, like uh, Musiala. And uh, Gnabry, maybe they're not quite ready to step up to that big stage on the international level, but uh, there's definitely a chance for. I'm pretty sure. Even even Gossens is quite young, um, and like the likes of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz are still very young players. So, um, as, as you've already said, Sam, like the. The Hansi, Hansi Flick era is in, and it'll be exciting to see where Germany go. I mean, among every team that's kind of been at the Euros, there's a crop of young talent slowly coming through, and it's going to make the next generation of football actually really exciting. Yeah. I think that's as well as, like, in the past, like, these Euros have been easy to call, easy. But nowadays... The amount of young players who have so much potential, like everyone's kind of hyping up, it's hard to tell who's going to win this because every t- every country has them. Yeah, that's very true. It's just I mean, like, will change through really in this tournament. We'll win the Euros, I think. All we have to do though is go back like five years, and it's like, oh, name Norway's best player. We we'll just go Norway for talking sake, and we maybe go Josh King. And then now it's like now it's Erling Holland, and it's like a world class striker from Norway. Um, I'm trying to think of sort of other ones. There's like a Ukrainian goalkeeper at Real Madrid, Lunin, who is up and coming. There's so many young players up and coming from like the most randomest of countries, and it will eventually turn into this sort of system where. Every country's going to have that one standout player at some point. And then whoever kind of shines through will be the one that has the bigger crop, which, to be fair, probably is England currently. The likes of Saka, Bellingham, um, Mason Mount, still young, Phil Foden. There's like a, there's, you know, you could go down a list of the England ones, but it'll be exciting anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, Spain have Pedri, Italy have uh, all their young players, uh, Belgium have a few coming through as well, uh, Denmark, Czech Republic have uh, Suchek and, and Adam Klozek as well, who's still quite young, uh, Switzerland have a few coming through as well, Ukraine as well, so like, there's, every country has them and it's going to be interesting to see who shines the most, especially in these quarterfinals and then going into the future as well. Indeed, yep. Okay, but I, th- I think that's uh, where we call it for tonight. Um, so we hope you enjoy the quarterfinals and the rest of the Euros if we don't talk before then. Thank you guys for joining me tonight and we'll see you all next time.
The False 90s podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean and our website at false90s.wordpress.com. For updates, follow False 90s on both Twitter and Instagram. And a big thank you to Francisco Alvia and his track Space Game, which is our theme tune. Should Suki Nakamura, you fucking doble? Okay, Dad.